you know what? Since we're getting close to Christmas, why don't we talk about the Star of Bethlehem? Why don't yeah, we okay. talk about what you know Ooh. what that would mean? Sure. Um, you you know I'm 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 saying in my books and in my lectures that um, that this was probably a craft, um, and I'm supporting that by the mere fact that we're being told that it's almost like an exodus, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. It's at least unidentified. It is moving. It's intelligent. Uh, you know, it feeds the, the Hebrew tribe, this yeah. ragtag bunch of folks when they flee. So there's some type of agency. And also with the star of Bethlehem, because we know that stars don't travel across the sky. They don't shine light down. Um, and so, and what intrigues me is, the, well, all of it intrigues me, uh, but what really intrigues me is the wise men, because yes, they're coming from the East. And some people had said they're, they, they may have been Zoroastrian, and then all this is probably true. But the whole ritual reminds me of what um, the Buddhists do when they think a new Dalai Lama or a special child is being conceived. They, they, they consult the astronomers and, and astrologers. And so these being, I mean, these people saw that there was a special birth, that something special was happening in Palestine at the time, and they come. Right, and that, no, that's interesting that you mentioned the Dalai Lama because that tradition is still happening. Yeah, uh, we yeah. currently have, what is he, the 13th Dalai Lama? Yes, yes. Um, you know, and, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead Ken. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I was going to say there's there's something before we get too far in here. There's something else that always intrigued me about that star that I think supports uh, what Michael was saying. Um, I was always wondering about this. It's you know we always picture the star over leading leading the the the, the wise men to Bethlehem. It didn't leave them to Bethlehem. Uh, the star was not omniscient. It led them to the, the capital. <laughs> it led them to Jerusalem. And then they said, you know, where is he who was born king of the Jews? And then Herod had to consult oh. his wise men who went to the text. Yes. And mm -hmm. they, just, they determined from reading the old texts that Bethlehem was the place. Then the star went ahead and led them to Bethlehem, according to the story. So whether whether the story actually happened, I find it very intriguing if this was something like the Shekinah glory of God or God's special place. Why didn't the Almighty and the All-Knowing lead right to where right. the baby was born? Why'd they have to right. go to the capital city to the arch enemy of right. Jesus? And yeah. from there, they had to consult the texts, the old ancient texts. That's right. awful or, or strange why story to me. Why wasn't Gabriel keeping track of where his girlfriends were going? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, no. and, and maybe, may, maybe they wanted Herod to know. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, you know, uh, but who knows? But and and, and it's it's so, yeah, because there's so many holes in the story. But um, but just the mere fact that this was a crap, because I feel that, and I don't know, you know. You know, I, the, the, the monotheistic religions, to my mind, definitely have the possibility of extraterrestrial influence. Now, were these, were these folk in the craft, were they conscious about trying to start a religion? I, I really don't think so, but they're heavily mentioned in these monotheistic religions. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. To play, yeah. To, to play the devil's advocate here too, we have to at least, you know, leave this open that, uh, you know, I mean, every second Tuesday, I'm not even sure there was ever an historical Jesus in the first place, you know, that it wasn't Paul's whole idea. Mm-hmm. And we also have to leave open the fact that this could have been just a, a story that was con- concocted to, um, you know, illuminate some Old Testament texts. My problem with those, and and sometimes I I go along with that, my problem with that is there's so much detail in it. It seems like it's based on something to me. Something happened. Now, it may have been misunderstood, and it may have been uh, misinterpreted, uh, and it may have changed down over the years, too, but it sure seems like something happened. And I think we have to at least uh, leave open for what Michael was saying about uh, the possibility of an extraterrestrial event going on. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Josephus mentions Jesus, mm-hmm. and and he even has this. Uh, I, I should have brought it out with me. The writing, and he he says he refers to him as a man, but then he says in the next sentence, if if one could call him a man. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. And 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 so and and what you're saying, Jim. Uh, you know, and, and I love it, uh, you, you, you know, whatever happened to these fishermen or whoever they were, they went from being, this transformation happens and, and all of a sudden these people are willing to stand in front of Roman emperors and say, do what you got to do. You do you and I'm going to do me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, and, and they're willing to go to the lion's den. And they will, something happened after these people either met Yeshua or read about him or knew people that knew him. It was like, which, 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 which was the threat to the empire. Mm-hmm. You, know, the, right. you know, these folks had nothing to lose. So yeah. something extraordinary happened. Yeah, and we see that all through the all through the Bible, the Bible yeah. is story after story of uh, transformational experience of some kind. And um, a lot of times there is, you know, there's a, there's indications of what type of experience that was. A lot of times there isn't, um, but when right. we look at them all in as a, as a group, uh, there seems to be a lot of similarities between all of these experiences. Mm -hmm. And if you count the star of Bethlehem as one of those, um, one of those, this long chain of experiences, it, uh, it fits the bill in terms of a lot of the other things that, that we've seen throughout the entire Bible leading up to that point. And even through the new Testament as well, it continues Mm -hmm. where there are things happening, where something comes down from the sky um, and there are usually lights involved. Sometimes there's thunderous noises, which we do have as well in in this angelic, uh, you know, the Annunciation and the the shepherds abiding in the fields, and they're sore afraid. Why are they afraid? Because something showed up in the sky, making a lot of noise. They they talk about trumpets and um, you know loud singing and all this as if all the angels were, were, uh, were singing and praising God, but that's gotta be pretty loud. So I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what they're actually hearing, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. You know, yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in all of the great world religions, um, there's always a, a series of events that happens to the founder. 
the founder always seems to undergo a kind of a shamanic experience. Mm -hmm. um, Moses, of course, at the burning bush uh, out in the wilderness. Jesus going out into the wilderness to confront the devil. Buddha sitting under the boat, the bow tree, and confronting um, you know the uh, the Buddhist equivalent, Mara, the equivalent of of the devil. Uh, Mohammed going out to the, the 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 cave where he meets the angelic Gabriel, who says, "Write and writes the Quran." You know, the, of all the world religions, the only one that that doesn't feature one of these is Hinduism, and the only reason Hinduism doesn't feature it is because there are so many different uh, families of religions in the Hin in Hinduism, and they all but, seem to have something happening at the beginning. It can always I, seems can to I be some add kind of something a, there, Jim? Yeah, sure. Go like, ahead. Because in Hinduism, we do. We do find um, maybe it's a little bit of a different flavor, but there's still a lot of stories oh, yeah. within the within the Vedic texts um, and whatnot. The 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 Bhagavad mm -hmm. I can't say it. The right Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Bhagavad Gita. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know all of these very ancient texts, which predate uh, most of the Hebrew texts, yeah. um, and they're back to this uh, probably around the same time period as. The Sumerian literature, and they also basically they're all in agreement. And mm -hmm. the the Bhagavad Gita and the uh, the some of the Vedic texts also speak of um, it's the Vimanas, a little bit of a different bend. They have mm -hmm. the Vimanas. They have these battles with mm -hmm. with rockets mm -hmm. flying around and giant explosions in the yeah. sky and yeah. destroying yeah. cities. Um, it all, it all it, seems to 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 come together at the beginning of the religion in the experience of the the first either the founder or the founders and then it's afterwards in the centuries that follow where the the followers put up all these walls and dogmas and doctrines and everything else so right. the religions we have today is really a, a shell that is um based around that experience of the founder and so many times the people who worship within a particular a shell, whether it's Christianity or Judaism or whatever, they don't have that initial experience with the holy, with the sacred, mm -hmm. with the divine. And so it yeah. just becomes a rote thing. Yeah, uh, and, and they're coming it, up against things that they that they simply can't believe for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. really I, all I find the words I find the words of Jesus interesting here when he accused the that even the Jews of his time of uh, being like whitewashed tombs, but you're full of dead men's bones inside. Yeah. Uh, that could be said about a lot of religions nowadays, I'm afraid. You know, the, the, the thing is, too, um, I think the universality of the story, I, I give you an example. As both of you know, I'm a Unitarian Universalist clergy person. And on my church, we have atheists, pagans, they're all there on Sunday. It's beautiful, but it's the challenge of trying to get um, something to try and reach everybody. And of course, you can't always. The point I'm trying to make is on, and I've served UU Christian churches strictly as well. Uh, this is not one of those churches, but on Easter mm -hmm. and on Christmas Eve, that church is packed. What am I getting at? Yeah. The universality of that story. It's uh, like the hero or shero's journey. Mm -hmm. A child is born. Uh, the old order is threatened. Whether it's family, whether it's society, this child is told 
that he or she is one way, but as they walk their journey, they find out that's not really who I am at all. And as they discover themselves, as they discover their oneness or their interconnectedness, the old order is threatened. Something needs to be done about this, this individual. Mm -hmm. And so, and then there's this kind of rebirth. And I, I just look and I, I tell my congregation, I say, I know some of you, I'm going to see you next Thursday and I won't see you again until April for Easter. But atheists don't know, don't care, you, you, Christian, they come because in the West, at least, and I'm a Western person, I'm educated in the West, there's something about that child, that baby, that narrative that touches you no matter what your theological background is. Right. So would you, do you think then that that is like something within our own psyche where we are personally identifying with that feeling of that baby going, hey, something's, something's <laughs> weird. Like, that, you know, like you just said, um, you know, you've been told a certain thing and then you find out that it wasn't like yeah. you're something else. And There's something, but that's the journey that we all take. Yeah. I don't care whether you're Hindu. I don't care whether you're Louis Farrakhan. I don't care who you are. You come into the world. And basically your life is kind of unlearning what you've learned as you find out, hey, I'm not like this at all. But, but you know, and, and you're being told, hey, turn that down a bit. Walk that down. That's uncomfortable. Don't do that. Right. And, and that's the journey. Whether, whether you're religious or not is the journey uh, between the dashes from birth until death. What do I do between the dashes? And I think that's the universality, whether you're a baby born in Kandahar, Harlem, Ontario, Virginia, there's the sacredness of the child because that always represents new life and the journey they're going to have to take. And of course, in Jesus's uh, life, that, that he, he led the committed life, committed unto death, if you will. But we all have that hero's journey, that shero's journey that we have to take. And that baby represents that even when you strip away all the theology. You know, maybe mm -hmm. I don't believe in saviors or maybe I, but there's the journey or the trajectory of the life of this child is what gives life reverence. Because right. whether right. you believe what I say, we all know what it's like to be born and, and to try to find our way and who am I and why am I here and what's my connection you know, to all this, all that is, and my connection to the plant. It's like the cross. It's the vertical and the horizontal. You know, what's my relationship to that? Right. And that scares people. Yeah. And you're going to you're going to cause some people to get a little anxious yeah. when you start saying, "Boy, I'm a powerful person. Yeah. I've, no, I've found yeah. something in life I'm committed to." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this, I'm, this, I'm running on and on. But you no, 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 no. This this ties in as well with something else that I think is important to the story too. Well, you started it, Jim. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I think uh, <laughs> I, I get a kick. I get a kick out of uh, looking back when uh, UFOs first came big into the psyche of here in in, in the West, in Europe, in the yeah. United States. 
and people started looking for uh, help from on high, saving from on yes, high. Yes, yes. It was, it was the exact same time in history when the Evangelical Christian Church came up with the idea of the rapture, about Jesus coming back and snatching oh, right. up yes, his yes, followers. Yes, yes. Um, it seems mm. as though they were looking for the same thing. They were looking for a savior from outside, either within their religious context or within a scientific context. Yeah. But it, it grabbed us. And I can't help but think that, well, you know, Carl Jung wrote a, a wonderful book. I have about it. The, I have about, it oh, yeah, about the yeah. psyche of, of UFOs and what it meant. And that whole collective unconscious. Um, and the symbol know, I, of the disc and yeah, what yeah. that means I, or has I, been. I've, I've written a lot about the Akashic field being, the, you know, the field of potential and possibility. When it's in the Akashic field... Um, it's 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 there you know uh people experience it at the same time all within maybe a different context but it's the same exactly. basic idea um when it's in the akashic field it's kind of like the old uh, uh <laughs> the old cialis commercial when it's there and you need it you know <laughs> it's it's there for you you know um and uh, it, it's the uh, that kind of thing that uh, that everybody experiences it because I think we're going through a, a psychological transformation. Maybe the history books in the far future, assuming we can get to the far future, maybe they're all going to say that this was the time when uh, we began to all of a sudden turn outward and and uh, interpret that outward hope from that story uh, in in a different way. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> but I I tend to be skeptical about about these optimistic ideas. But that's well, okay. We need, I know what you mean. I know we what need you mean. to embrace them. Um, but I'm thinking, okay, so there's another element here, and it it's um, sort of just another layer underneath uh, what Michael's saying, and about this this the concept of the birth and. Uh, and when you are talking about the psyche and, and this stuff as well, and like there's this realization that I think many of us, hopefully all of us, uh, will will experience at, at some point in our life. And that is where you look around and just realize that everything is bullshit. And um, we, you know, there's got to be something more. And this is something that, um, you know, even the evangelical Christians have have uh, attempted to um, incorporate into their messages. There's got to be more to life, and yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but not necessarily in the way that you're that they're selling. Um, but I think there's that's de definitely something to that. And I wonder if some of the uh, the ancient pagan traditions that uh, Christmas is is based on um, are are really grappling with those concepts as well, like. When you think about the Yule log, I don't know a lot about the history of the Yule log, but to me, um, what I what I see in the symbology there is that uh, there was a tree that was once alive, it's now dead, and but yet we burn it, and we're we're uh, transmutating this corporeal body into this uh, flame, uh, this energy. Uh, this aura so light in the darkness it, yeah so it's and it's well very much so because originally the yule log was probably um the only source of light in mm -hmm. in the room if it was inside or possibly was done outside at night and um uh, like the essentially having the experience of a campfire 
mm-hmm. um, which many of us uh, are familiar with. And, and I think that that uh, kindles something that's very primal and very uh, ancient within us that we remember that there's something fascinating about fire, but it's also deeper than that because it's telling us that uh, this physical sense of what you see is only part of the story. There's, mm-hmm. And that is when we, when we burn the Yule log, we're transforming this normal, natural state into something magical, I guess, or, and it, I think it can be very powerful. And even if just to say, hey, you are that, uh, that Yule log. So mm-hmm. think, put yourself in the place of the Yule log. You're, you're more than just your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it, it brings into question what happens when you die. Uh, but it's, I think it's more than that. I think it's what it's all kind of about letting go of the normal physicality that we appear to be trapped in. Um, and what if that, what if that tree while alive could somehow harness that fire power? Mm-hmm. Well, generally they can't, they have to die before they can do it. But what if? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Look what you just did, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) I made you guys dumbfounded. Well, it it won't be the last time. I promise you that. (laughs) Well, all of these, all of these, uh, the, the, the pagan symbols surrounding Christmas, I've always found fascinating. Everybody's favorite uh, season of the year. uh, And most of the symbols that we think of are, are usually pagan symbols, but they mean the same thing. I think you're absolutely right. The Yule log is certainly right up there with the rest of them. Yeah, and, and it's interesting how we just shifted because I love it from Christmas to the solstice, which of course predates the solstice is Wednesday. I mean, next of next week. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, what what the pagans in my church? A couple of things. That connection to nature, they have not lost it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of them reject Christianity because it's very anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, and you find this with a lot of Aboriginal cultures, is they can live with mystery. Yeah. They can live with, I don't know. You know, uh, that's why I love what the Lakota do, Wonka Tonkin, the great spirit. He's the, he's the great mystery. Mm-hmm. And in, in the West, we don't live with mystery because probably because of our worship of science. We got to figure this out. It's got to be a formula. And it's, it's all, uh, um, to me, it's science, of course, is changing, obviously. So I want to be uh, cognizant of that, you know, with quantum theory and quantum physics. But basically, science says, believe, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But faith says, or spirituality says, if you believe, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. And those are two very fundamentally different ways of looking and living life. I mean, Einstein says that, you know, the most important question, or at least one of them, that we can ask ourselves is, is the universe a friendly place? Because your answer to that question 
will precede how you live. And so if you can look at nature and life as a mystery and you try and coexist with it, there's a flow to life. There's a oneness. If you look at life like, and, and we've been taught that in Christianity, we are to conquer the earth. The earth is something that we need to control. And we need, and, 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 and you see where this can cause tension, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, to answer that, I mean, is the universe a friendly place? I mean, if it wasn't, we wouldn't be here because there's a lot of power out there that could very easily destroy us. And yet here we are. Yeah. Well, 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 I agree. Cause I think the way you do, but for <coughs> someone else, it may not be with, you know, in quantum physics says you create your own reality. So you mm -hmm. and I can live in this world and kind of say, yeah, look at that. Oh, wow. Or, and someone else, maybe their nervous system, hypervigilant, there's disease, there's predators, two-legged, four-legged, and otherwise. There's, there's all this intrigue and stuff. Same yeah. world, just different mm -hmm. perception. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm, I'm really, I don't know whether you two are watching or following it or not, but I'm really following the new uh, NASA telescope that's going up uh, next week. Right. Um, can you imagine the telescope out the, outside the orbit of the moon uh, looking out in space and being able to look back into space 13.5 billion years ago. I wonder, assuming everything works and we have a chance to look through a telescope and see that time of the universe where uh, let there be light <laughs> came mm. to pass when light actually began. I wonder how that's going to affect our theology. Uh, I wonder if it will. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see how could that change the the Christmas story if we're able to look back to the very beginnings of it all. Um, how could that change the story about light, light in the darkness and the Yule log and, and all that kind of thing? Uh, it'd be, it's going to be a fascinating time to see what it does to theology. It really is. Mm -hmm. Well, light in the darkness is really the the kind of the whole thing that's happening in the universe that's the only thing that's happening in the universe is that there's light in the darkness yeah. there's all these spots of light everywhere and they are literally fueling everything that's happening yeah 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 we are stardust that's for sure mm -hmm. oh. so maybe that ties back to the star of bethlehem in some way Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't I mean, know how. Is, I mean, I know. I, I mean, I mean. Well, we're just kind of kicking it, but well, I mean, this is called the season of lights for a reason. Whether it's Diwali in the Hindu religion, uh, we just you know we just finished Hanukkah. Uh, mm -hmm. Kwanzaa's coming up the day after Christmas. Of course, Christmas itself. This mm -hmm. is the season of hope and and light in the darkness. And I guess Jesus was even explained. Uh, that way, there's an old Hindu saying, I think it's Hindu or maybe Buddhist, you know, why curse the, uh, you know, don't curse the darkness, be a light. I mean, there's all these memes and metaphors, and we're right here smack dab in the mm. season. Yeah. We're just yeah. unpacking it. Which is, but which is fascinating. Which is it is. Yeah. Adds a whole new, whole new meaning to that wonderful uh, verse from the Gospel of John, you know, light has come into the world, but um, people love darkness rather than light. You know, um, light all around us, light within us, uh, but we have to open our eyes to it.
that's going to be the secret. And, and also going back to Jung, we also have to embrace darkness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, I just did a sermon a couple of weeks ago about don't be afraid of the dark. And, you know, when you're in your womb, you're in darkness. It, you don't want to come out. Yeah. Well, many of us didn't. Uh, <laughs> darkness gives us permission to rest, to sleep. I love the yin yang symbol where there's, you know, the black and white circle, there's dark and light, mm -hmm. and light in the dark. They, yeah. they knew this way before what our scientists are telling us yeah. that life is both and, it's not either or. And if you yeah. just embrace the light and you don't deal with your shadow, Jung tells us, it can get kind of ugly. Mm -hmm. so, 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 you know, this, this balance of light and dark. Yeah. Uh, I know people who try to go into really the Course of Miracles and really high levels of spirituality, and they haven't dealt with their other stuff, and it just makes it worse. So, yeah. so it's well, always now. it's a cycle, isn't it, Michael? Like the you mentioned solstice. Well, solstice happens every year, you know, twice a year, I guess. But if you think about the the winter solstice specifically, the, every year there is a day that's the shortest, where the yeah. night seems to rule the rule the day almost in a way. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and this has to happen every year. Um, it can't just happen once. Uh, it has to happen every year. And personally, I think that also has to happen uh, in an, on an individual level is that you, you can't, you're right, you can't just be riding on the mountaintop experience all the time. No. There's, there's no. also times where you have to uh, rest and even God rested. No. Um, no. And the cycles of, uh, of day and night and sleep, I think sleep is super important. And we tend to overlook it. Um, uh, now you mentioned Young, and he gets very much into um, dream interpretation and things like that, which uh, I think maybe that might be another interesting topic to look at. But um, just just really to say that something is happening in your brain, in your mind, in your psyche when you dream, and mm -hmm. and that something is not the same type of thing that you can deal deal with or have happened to you or do yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, while you're awake and mm. those are both important we can't sleep our life away but neither can we ignore sleep yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, yeah you know interesting too we were talking about the the star of bethlehem and this whole idea of inner transformation ken that you were just talking about um, um even even when we're sleeping our 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 minds are still going, I mean, a dream and that kind of thing. It, isn't it interesting that when we do make the journey, when we do follow the light, when we come to the point where transformation takes place and we give of our gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, uh, our life has changed. We have to go home by another way. Mm. We don't go home the same way we came. Uh, the disciple, the, the wise men, um, you know, having been warned in a dream, Oh, there, there's young Ian, if anything. Right, uh, right. Not to go back to Herod. They went home by another way. They were transformed. Um, their lives took a different path. Yeah. Uh, ideally, that should be happening, I think, to all of us every Christmas. But, of course, we lose a lot of that inner transformative stuff of Christmas when it just becomes a, a fairy tale, when it just becomes a, a scripture to believe or to swear allegiance to. And it doesn't hit us personally, I think. So that, we, we lose a lot when that happens.